It's morning it is. Beautiful out there. Um, you might have arrived in a really fabulous mood and you might have arrived just a bit hustled. But um, we're getting into some good stuff today. We're going to continue our preaching series in 1 Corinthians. So I think for those who are up to speed on the series so far, you might agree with me, it's not all been easy for the early church. In this letter, the Apostle Paul really opens the book on how things are going. The church in Corinth was dealing with a lot of stuff. Divisions, attitudes of believers, factions. And today we're going to look at uh, what Paul has to say about God's wisdom. We finished off that last week um, and we're leading into some more stuff. But Paul shared his heart with the church, the family of Corinth, that Jesus is to be the focus and not to let anyone or anything matter get in the way of the gospel message. Paul wanted to make it clear that when he came to Corinth, it wasn't to speak from his own resources, which we know from his CV are buckets of, or of his own wisdom, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, he would share who Jesus Christ is. So they would trust the power of God and not their human wisdom. Now what I love about this scripture is it's just so plump and full of good stuff. There's so much to think about, and some of it's actually really obvious, and some of it's really subtle. But Paul takes us on a journey revealing the character of God, the mystery, and the depth of him. And as I was preparing this week, um, I just felt God whisper to me and remind me of Jeremiah 29:13. He said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So guys, there's an invitation for us all today to ready our hearts as we dive in the passage and seek him. Let me pray. I want to thank you, Lord, that you are the one that brings scripture alive. You're the one that's given me these words, Lord. So, Lord, come amongst us this morning and reveal what you have to say, Lord. I pray this in your name. Amen. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version, and we're going to be uh, in 1 Corinthians 2, uh, 6 to 16. So that's 1 Corinthians 2, 6 to 16. We do, however, speak a wisdom of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age, or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that's been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no eye has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of the God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, 
but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Here we go, right. We're going to take the passage into three chunks today. And for those who like a title, I've called this preach, How Deep is Deep. So we're going to first go into verses 6 to 10. Let me begin by asking you, where do you go for your wisdom? Or maybe that's not a word you use. You might just kind of refer to it as knowledge or good judgment. Let me go first. In our house, we have a couple of really good friends. You might be familiar with them. They're called Google, Wikipedia, and more recently, my children, my husband, have introduced me to ChatGTP. I'm not going to go into details of that, but it's like... Is it my earring? Okay, that's better. So yeah, chat, chat GTP, it's like Google on, on like maximum. It's, it's quite incredible. Anyway, you might have similar friends in your household. You type in the question or concern you have and instantly the answer's there. And for others, it might be uh, a parent or a grandparent or teacher. You know, people that have been a bit around the, uh, and you know, have good counsel that you can rely on. It might interest you to know that a lot of people are using the wisdom of the internet. There's 8.5 billion Google searches per day, approximately 2 trillion global searches per year. So that, that's roughly two to four searches per person per day. And when I'm looking at why are people looking for information, I decided I'm going to type, why do people use Google? And it says, they want to find information. They want to learn topics of interest and make important decisions and even look for wisdom. Now, our passage today is talking about wisdom of the mature and wisdom of this age. In Corinth, sorry, is this really like making noises? Um, I'm actually going to take the earring out. Sorry. I can feel it. Okay. Obviously, in Corinth, there wasn't Google, but there was a lot of powerful people pumped with knowledge. Philosophers, politicians, chief priests, Roman rulers. And rulers is what Paul is referring to in verse 6 and 8. These are the people he's talking about. They would have been to be the most influential, great thinkers of their time. So who was wise then, if it wasn't these guys? And what was Paul alluding to when he talks about a mature wisdom? Was it more, more knowledge, more words, read more books, academic qualifications, a long white beard? It turns out, for Paul, he pushes these things to the side and he says it's none of these things. It's simply understanding the mystery of God. In verse 7 it says, No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. God's plan was previously hidden even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. Now, another word for um, hidden is concealed. Um, 
And it's not like, like the murder plot in the, the latest Who's Done It in the Waterstones bookshelves. It's not that. I think what Paul is suggesting, this mystery he's talking about, it's, a, it's by its very nature a secret of the world, but at the same time, it's universally available to all those wanting to be taught by the Spirit. The Spirit. Hold that thought. We're going to come back to this. It turns out the rulers of the day were the ones with the power and the supposed knowledge. But they hadn't understand, understood the mystery of God. They seemed to have missed it. In verse 8 it says, None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Have you ever wondered how they could have missed it? Did they not witness Jesus in the towns and villages? Did they not see the crowds? The miraculous healings, the absolute love for this man. How could Pilate have missed it? Even his wife tried to tell him and warn him something was different about Jesus after the dream she had. I've been thinking about Paul writing this letter, and I think he has compassion. I think he, he knows he was in the dark too once. And you know what? He was absolutely on the rampage against Jesus' people. And he acknowledges they can't have known who Jesus was, otherwise they wouldn't have done what they did. He almost concedes they must have been in the dark. So maybe, what is Paul trying to say about the wisdom of the chore? I think Paul is telling Corinth two things. It's one, the gospel story, the revelation of who Jesus is, and acknowledging he died on the cross for you personally. But it's also the reality, the good stuff that that brings. Do you know that God's on a relentless pursuit of us to have a relationship with each and every one of us? And, it, and it's all about bringing us life. It's all about um, bringing us freedom. And it's not just for now, for, not for just for, for when we get to heaven, guys. It's, it's for now. Jesus said in John 10.10, I've come, they may have life and have it to the full. The word abundant or full in Greek is perison, which means to be exceeding or above and over. I can testify to this. I've gone from a little life, a very small life, where I thought I knew what, what was going on. And then, you know, through the Holy Spirit, God's deposited in me things I had no idea about, things that he's got me to do and how much freedom there is in him. And that he's really good, guys. Amen? Okay, so everyone's got that truth, right? We're all understood. Let's go home. Well, it wasn't back easy back in Corinth, and I... And I really don't think it's easy for us to receive this life-changing truth today. God's wisdom needs to be revealed and then believed and understand what God has prepared for you and I and for those that love him. In verse 9 it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. This is Isaiah 55, 8 that he's talking about. And, and it's referring to God's all-time motive. And that was he was always planning to provide for his people. Jesus was the answer in the beginning, and he is now. If you look at Genesis 1-2, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. The earth was formed out of void and darkness, was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. And in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and he was beginning with God. All things were made through him. The Word being Jesus, who was there at the very beginning. We're going to move on to verses 10 to 13 now. And my first question is, 
Who allows us to receive this wisdom Paul talks of? Well, it's nothing a human can do. It's the actual, what the Holy Spirit allows to do. And, and in the message version, I thought it brought it out really well. It says, it brought it all out into the open before you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. God chose to reveal these things to us by the Spirit. And in verse 10, it says, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Do you ever wonder when you're like driving along the road and you're focused and that person next to you is focused and they, they seem to be in another world? Like, what are they thinking of? They must be mulling something over. In verse 11 it says, only their spirit knows what's going on. And so maybe this helps us understand that no one knows us, uh, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The Spirit opens our eyes and allows us to receive the message of Jesus. So this imagery of the Spirit talks about the deep things of God. And it got me wondering, how deep are we talking in this wisdom? How deep is deep? What does deep conjure up in your mind? Maybe a depth of a well. Or maybe the deep end of a swimming pool. Maybe the depths of the sea. Well, to give you some perspective, the deep end of a swimming pool is around two and a half meters. Now, I looked for celebrities that are around about this height, but I had to come back to the fact that the matter is, it's actually quite, it's quite an odd height. So basically, it's two eight-year-old kids on top of each other. That's, that's what the deep end of a swimming pool looks like. How about the depth of a seabed? When I looked at the Mariana Trench, which is a deep trench in the floor of the western North Pacific Ocean, the deepest known trench on Earth, it says it's, tall, it's deeper than one of the tallest mountains we can see with our own human eye. That's pretty deep, right? Well, I want some of that depth of wisdom. Depths I've not experienced before. The kind you can't touch the bottom of with your feet. And that's what Paul is relaying to the Corinth church. He's reminding them they've got access to this and what we have access to today. Why those in Corinth could receive and understand the gifts of life and salvation was that Paul himself aside drew himself all that he was and he drew from those deep wells of the Holy Spirit. He allowed all that hard work to be done and the big reveal to be done. Now, I remember when I did a Camp America. I was 21. It was a brilliant time. And one of the things we got to do as a social was go to a baseball game. Do you know what? It was fun. I had my foam hand, had my hot dog. There's loads of music in the ball. It, it's like nothing else. I think we do it more like this now as a culture, like, you know, in football and stuff. It's, it's more fun. But back in 2001, this, this seemed like the, the cool thing. So anyway, here we are. And I watched it all. I'm there, my hot dog having a good time. I've got no idea what's happening. Don't understand the rules. People are running around, hitting a ball. But during the second half, someone sat next to me explaining the rules. They revealed something of what I was watching and listening to. Kind of gave me some clarity. Something of the game was being revealed by someone who knew and was watching the game. I think this is what Paul is saying. 
We need some help for the mystery of God to be revealed. I've experienced the Holy Spirit revealing something to me that felt like a deep dive. Going to the depths of my heart and reveal what was going on. There was a time I'd had a really, really awful argument with my sister. I was furious. I was in the right. I thought I knew what the issue was going on and it was everything but me. But that's what I mean by the Spirit. He does a deep dive. Do you know what? He, he pulls up stuff and in his wisdom he says, I want to reveal this to you. I want to reveal this to you, Nikki. Really, this to church family. What's going on down here? I'm bringing it up. I'm going to give you the wisdom because I want to bring wholeness and fullness and life into the situation that you're dealing with. I'm pleased to say my sister and I are good friends again now. So why is there a struggle? Why doesn't everyone? Why can't everyone reach out for that wisdom? Why is Paul so keen to get the truth out? And who's getting in the way? Why do some people hear that Lord Jesus died for their sin? and receive this truth, truth, and some reject it as foolishness. I want to go back to that baseball story I just said, about how someone sat next to me revealing how things worked. For this, for me, was also what it was like to understand what Jesus did for me. I'd heard the gospel message so many times, if I'm honest. I couldn't imagine I'd done anything that sinful in my life, did Jesus need to die for me? I wasn't perfect, but not too bad. Well, there was the lie right there. We're not almost mostly good. We're equally well off the mark. When I eventually heard the truth for myself, it was like there was someone else in the room illuminating the preacher's words, revealing I tried to reason that I felt I was still good enough to make things right with God. And the Spirit revealed, I'm not acceptable, that God is beautiful and holy. And there was definitely a clash. Everything made sense, and it became personal. It became personal who Jesus was. He was in the room. Verse 14 says, the person without the Spirit of God considers them foolishness and can't understand them because they're discerned only by the Spirit. Maybe that's you today. All this chat feels foolish. I've known that myself. I've mocked the gospel. I see it in my friends' and family's eyes. They're really good people. But they bought into the lie that perfection is not needed before God. I felt when I was preparing today that maybe some of you might have hearts burdened or even frustrated. You've been going on that dog walk with a friend for many years. You share a work, uh, a lift to work with someone. It's your friends that you meet every weekend. It's your son or daughter, your husband or wife. But maybe you're also making big life decisions and you're really wrestling what, short, what, what direction to take them in. You know, that move you've got, that job, your change to financial situations, your, your health. As we move to verses 13, 16, there is so much good news for you today. And the, the headline really is that the pressure is off us We can take ourselves out and our knowledge and our witty thoughts and our wise strategic arguments and like Paul said and to Corinth, put them to the one side. There is another way. God in his grace bridges that gap between us and God. In Romans 8.26 it says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we ought to pray for, but 
the spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. And here is the gold in verse 27. And he who searches our hearts knows what the mind of the spirit, because the mind of the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. This gives me great relief. Because I know and love Jesus, I'm seen in God's eyes as one of his people. And the Spirit is interceding for me. Because the Holy Spirit is able to know and search the deep, deep things of God, he knows the will. That very Spirit is indwelling in all of us. As it says in the last verse, we have the mind of Christ. So we could be praying and just not to know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit builds that bridge between you and I. Imagine like a deep gorge, you know, that... I don't know if you've ever been like anywhere in Arizona or somewhere like that, but these gorges are hugely high and the valley is very deep. And that is what he's saying. He's going to bridge that gap. Paul knew how, how instinctive it was to try and do it on all our strength. But he's seen the glorious things that happen when he allowed the Holy Spirit to do the heavy lifting. I'm going to invite the band to come up back up. But I did want to finish on this proverb Uh, It's number two, Proverb 2, and it's verses 4 to 5, and this is what it says about wisdom. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of God and find the knowledge of God. I want to encourage us to... um, First of all, I want to say... There's some real prayer warriors in this place. There's people that can pray for us. But I want to pray for us all today that need wisdom in whatever part of their life. Maybe those that want to step out in faith and speak to family and friends. I want you to know that you don't need human knowledge. You can just tap on the spirit and he can do the heavy lifting for you. I want to pray for those in a minute who are sat with big life decisions that you can go for a deep hall of wisdom in these situations. And I want to pray particularly as well for those that hold human knowledge so tightly that you might be humbled and see how little you might know compared to the God that knows all things. So Lord, I just thank you, Father, that as you seek our hearts now, Lord, we've got so much access to what you have for us, your wisdom in situations, things that we feel out of our mind, out of control, out of. You know all things, and you care us about us deeply. You're faithful in the mystery, is what I hear you say this morning. And how deep is deep? Well, it's infinity. So I pray, Father, Lord, as we, we come to a close now, that, Lord, you would... You'd reveal our hearts and and the wisdom that we need and I pray Lord that you would by your spirit bring that to the surface for us this morning and I pray Lord that you would make us vulnerable and go and get that prayer but I want to thank you Lord that you are faithful in the mystery that you love us you've got good things for us Lord and um, your love is deep and your wisdom is deep And I'm so thankful for that. Amen.